You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hello, welcome once again to Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews, a podcast that's part of the Dark Discussions News Network. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how's it going? Good. Excellent. And in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Hey, it's Johnny. Johnny, how's it going? Excellent, sir. Excellent. Uh, so, folks who have stumbled upon us, who we are, well, we, I did mention who we are, but uh, what are we in, in more details? Well, we are basically a news network that discusses films and pop culture news. So we've been around for 10 years, March 2011 to March 2021. Uh, basically, uh, the website, darkdiscussions.com, includes all sorts of things, including articles, reviews, uh, release notices, podcasts, and even some video. Uh, basically, it's updated all the time. So if you follow genre news or movie news or pop culture news, it's a website you'll want to check out every day and maybe even multiple times a day. Uh, also, we have an email at darkdiscussions.aol.com. You can email us and we will read your message on the podcast. Also, we have a Facebook group called Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group, and you can join in the conversation. And also, uh, if you forget the email, you can just press contact us on the website itself. So darkdiscussions.com and just press the contact us and it'll basically let you write an email right through the website. Uh, basically, uh, what the podcast itself does, Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews, uh, we basically uh, review and critique uh, movies such as art house films, uh, horror films, sci-fi, fantasy thrillers, techno thrillers, mysteries, grindhouse, foreign films, midnight movies, drive-in films, and whatnot. So basically, we try to talk intelligently about a genre that deserves intelligence. Uh, so, uh, Barrett, uh, we're actually doing a special uh, theme month. We are. This is Pride Month, or also known as LGBTQ Month, and we are watching a movie a week. Um, French uh, or lesbian art house movies. Um, we are on our fourth movie now. We've watched three previously and commented on them. And one will be coming out this week, and I'm not sure when this one will be coming out. Yes, yes. Uh, basically, uh, The Gymnast uh, was the first film of the month that we did. And then the second film we did was called Summertime. And the third film is Circumstance, and this will be the fourth film. Uh, last year, uh, myself and Barrett actually did it last year as well. We did two films. We did 
AWOL starring Lola Kirk. And we also did My Summer of Love uh, starring Emily Blunt. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, something we've done at least two years in a row now. Uh, this year we decided to make it four films. And uh, tonight is the fourth film uh, that we're recording. I think uh, actually you released AWOL a year ago today. Oh, there you go. How about that? Because I had it on my memories on Facebook, so. <laughs> ah, I probably did. Yep, there you go. There you go. So uh, uh, that's pretty cool, and people can find those episodes uh, that we've already recorded, both for the ones this year as well as last year, uh, at www.darkdiscussions.com. Uh, also, uh, a couple other things uh, for house cleaning. Uh, today is June 27th, 2021, that we're recording this. Uh, that is for folks who are curious, because sometimes we don't release all the episodes immediately after we're recorded. Uh, though uh, these film, these episodes here, we're releasing pretty quick uh, because we want to get them for June Pride Month. Um, I'm believing that uh, we're going to have two released this week. Uh, tomorrow will be Circumstance. And hopefully this one here that we're recording tonight will be released on Wednesday. So two back-to-back episodes pretty quick uh, because I think Wednesday is the last day of June and we want to get it out for uh, uh, the Pride Month uh, as it's been designated. Um, Also, we have Patreon where you can join – well, I guess – yeah, I guess it's join, right? Uh, join the, the Patreon, uh, which is basically uh, donating money to the podcast. Basically, you can donate money on Patreon, which basically gives us money monthly. You can always do one-time payments, but uh, we do not get any money for doing this. Everything is free. The entire website, uh, the podcast, the news, everything is uh, done completely free. So all uh, proceeds we get would be simply from donations. Uh, we are most certainly in the red because it always costs more than the number of donations we do get. Uh, but we do try to give back. So if you want to donate $5 uh, for every $5 you do to donate per month, uh, you can get an option to uh, choose a film for us to review uh, how it works. Basically, if you donate $15, uh, you could ask us to for three different films, or just say one film three times, and for each time, uh, $5 or each choice that you make, it automatically goes into a figure of hat, and at the end of each quarter, we pull out of that hat and we'll do a film uh, or episode on the film that is picked out of uh, the hat. Uh, so that's pretty much it there. Um, that's pretty much house cleaning. If we have any other information that we want to discuss uh, later, uh, we can do at the end of uh, this episode, assuming we have time. But uh, until then, I guess we can get into our topic tonight. And uh, Barrett, what are we going to discuss tonight? We are going to discuss the movie The Summer of Sangal. Actually, it's Sangale. Sangale. Um, it came out in 2015, um, directed by Alante Cavate, Cavata, hopefully I'm saying that right, who also wrote the movie. Cavate, yeah, he's got it right the first time. Okay. Yeah, and she wrote it. Yeah. Uh, the film, uh, all right, so uh, before we get into any further things, uh, let's hear the trailer. Sure, you can 
I think it's, it's, it's a tough name. Uh, and uh, yes. also Aista Derzuta. I think that's how to pronounce that, too. Uh, Aista Derzuta uh, has been uh, noticed as a potential future uh, star uh, in Europe. Uh, basically, uh, the Berlin International Film Festival is where this film uh, was originally released, and there, um, the actress that I just mentioned, and I'll say the name again, Aiste Drzute, um she was uh, listed as European shooting stars alongside actresses, uh, or I should say actors and actresses, Macy Williams uh, as probably the most well-known, uh, so she was listed the same year. Um, as, as Macy Williams from Game of Thrones. Uh, as uh, Barrett mentioned, uh, the film was uh, directed by Alante Cavate, uh, which is a, a woman for folks who are not familiar with uh, these type of names. These names are, for people who are curious, Lithuanian. Uh, this film is a Lithuanian film. Uh, it, it is in Lithuanian, the language, and all the people that star in it are Lithuanian. Um, and and it was uh, also um, chosen by Lithuania. Uh, they nominated it to the Oscars uh, in 2015, which would have brought it to 2016, as the uh, foreign language category, uh, best film in a foreign, with a foreign language. Uh, they choose five. Uh, Lithuania uh, nominated this one, uh, but it did not get chosen uh, because, again, we're talking, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of countries that nominate one film each and uh, the Oscars, for those who care about the Oscars, has to weed it down to a handful. And uh, this was one that made the original cut, but not the second cut. Um, all right, so I guess we can get into uh, how we heard about this film and uh, what we thought about it. So uh, let's start with you, Johnny. Well, per usual, I heard about this film because you, Philip, assigned it as homework for LGBTQ month. And um, I watched it. Um, the movie, like you said, is in Lithuanian and has English subtitles. So if you're going to watch it, you have to read English subtitles unless you know Lithuanian. Um, so I watched the film. It was absolutely beautifully shot. It was well acted. Um, a little bit of a slow burn. Um, it does the, the character development doesn't have any real fireworks so to speak um but it's a good movie and i look forward to uh you know speaking about it 
All right, sounds good. Uh, the way I heard about this film is, uh, as I mentioned in prior episodes, um, back in 2017, I did an LGBTQ Pride Month Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews as a solo cast. So it's one of the older episodes of uh, this podcast. And I think maybe like episode nine or something, or seven or something. Uh, but either way, um, I did 15 minute reviews on like six different films and uh there was about 20 different films that popped up and this was one of them uh i did not do a review on this one but uh it was uh, on my list and so that's how i knew about this film uh and then so when we were doing it this month uh it seemed like a grand opportunity to uh uh, do it. And I had seen the film uh, about three, two or three years ago, uh, just uh, one of those days I just wanted to watch a drama. Um, yeah, so uh, Johnny mentioned that the film is uh, beautifully shot. Yeah, the cinematography for this film is absolutely amazing. Uh, really, really good. Uh, as discussed, the, the acting was as solid as Johnny mentioned, and uh, one of the actresses was even noted as a potential a breakout candidate uh, back in 2015 when the film was was released. So, uh, as you can gather, the the acting must have been pretty solid. Never mind uh, the actress having obviously uh, charisma as well. Um, the film uh, is a really great film. Uh, the first half is absolutely amazing, in my opinion. I, I really enjoyed the first half. Uh, the second half uh, uh, wasn't as good as the first, and, and that's probably because they focus more on, um, I guess, uh, one of the characters, um, I guess, uh, issues that they have to deal with rather than uh, the relationship uh, between uh, the two girls and, and also their, their friends. Um, so the, the plot changes a little bit in the second half, uh, but all in all, uh, the film is really solid, uh, really, really great drama and possibly the, the best of the four films, um, that we reviewed, uh, this, this month for Pride Month. Uh, so, uh, that's my opinion. Uh, let's go to Barrett. Yeah, um, I really, really enjoyed this film. It is definitely my favorite of the four that we have watched. Um, Circumstance is very close, but this one just has a little bit of a happier feel, even though it's still a drama. Um, I'm not left just totally depressed <laughs> at the end. Um, it is beautifully shot. Uh, some of the stunt plane stuff they show is just amazing. And I really like the relationship between the two main characters. I think that it's it feels real and it pulls you in. Um, I You know, I didn't get bored at all. I just it is a slow burn, but I wasn't bored. Um, it's a good story. I like it. And I think it's the best of the four this month. All right. And uh, so it's, it's uh, there's a number of actors in the film, but uh, the two main actresses, uh, Julia Stepanatite as San Gale, and then Aista Derzuta as Asta. Um, so those are those, that's the two characters. Uh, we'll get into um, their background and whatnot. Uh, one one character, obviously the one that's titled "The Summer of San Gale," um, has developed a little more probably because she actually has a, a home life, while Aste seems more of a um, maybe already out of high school or, uh, you know, in the, because it is the summer. So it looks like she just graduated and she already moved out. Uh, but we'll get into that. Uh, but uh, as the title says, the summer of San Gale, uh, you can gather that 
a lot of it, the film is probably through Oste, um, I guess, perspective um, versus uh, Sangale, uh, even if she is named after the film. Um, so I guess we can get into uh, a topic, which is Barrett. Do we have a wiki? Wiki, wiki, wiki. Yes, we do. Uh, <clears throat> 17-year-old Sangale is fascinated by stunt planes. She meets a girl her age at a summer aeronautical show. Sangale allows Asta to discover her most intimate secret and in the process finds the only person that truly encourages her to fly. All right, and you can uh, anglicize the names if you want, so don't worry about it. Um, uh, otherwise, uh, myself and, and, and John wouldn't be called... Uh, well, actually, no, I, I call you Noel, John, so I, I, I'm not anglicizing Noel. Um, anyway, uh, to get back to this film here, um, yeah, that, that, that's kind of interesting, babe, because people say, what do they mean, fly? Is, it, is that figure of... But no, no, uh, as uh, Barrett mentioned in his review of the film, um, there's planes and stunts and all that stuff, uh, air show and whatnot. So uh, one of the girls, Sangale, uh, specifically uh, adores uh, planes, and it is her dream to uh, be a stunt pilot. Uh, not, not a pilot, but a stunt pilot, just like the people she sees at the air shows that are near the 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 area that she lives first uh, 10 minutes is like stunt plane stuff right yeah yeah I mean, oh yeah it's pretty it's, amazing it's a, it's a great way to start the film because it really brings you in you know yeah um and then the cinematography of the stunt planes and then the cinematographies of how uh Oste is presented because uh, she almost appears magical when, when she appears uh first um in the film um the the other girl, Aste, as we discussed, uh, she has a different career, and her goal is to become a, uh, div uh, I guess, a designer, a fashion designer. Yeah. And and she is um, not just someone that wants to be a fashion designer, but she lives in fashion designing. She, I mean, it's her big hobby. She actually develops things on her own, develops her own clothing and everything. So it's not just something that she uh, idolizes to be. She actually already is in a sense. And now she wants to go and become the uh, fashion designer through uh, training, such as uh, college. So fashion merchandising or uh, probably degree uh, or whatnot. Um, all right. So uh, before we get into spoilers, because for folks who are curious, uh, we will eventually start spoiling the film because we do not just review films. We also critique and dissect. Uh, so basically you go deep into the meaning of each film uh, scene and what, what, what's going on. We talk about metaphors, uh, specifics, and so on and so forth. Uh, so we will spoil the film. But before we do that, and we will throw up the spoiler for folks who are worried, uh, we can talk about anything and anything directly related to the film without uh, spoiling it. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's talk about it. Um, again, uh, I'm assuming that Sangele, she's definitely appears to be the 1%, very wealthy family. Um, she, this is her summer home and the summer home is probably, you know, a nice uh, house that you would find in a, a fairly wealthy community, at least in the United States where myself, Barrett and Johnny live. Um, and, and other girl, Aste seems to be pretty 
decent middle class, I would say. Uh, she's definitely not uh, lower class, but but she's definitely not uh, the one percent. Uh, would you uh, you guys agree to that? And anyone add anything to the the class structure of the of the two girls? I would agree. They're fairly close in class. I don't think. I mean, the one girl is probably pretty high up there. I don't know if she's one percent level, um, but they're well, definitely they have more money than. Yeah, the, the reason I say 1% is because uh, the mother, we learn, was an ex-professional ballet uh, dancer. And so we're assuming that she has some uh, notoriety uh, in for anybody who follows ballet. And so probably has some good money there. And the father, uh, though we never really learned too much about his profession, he seems to be like uh, he's some sort of businessman or something yeah and the house um, is not small it's a no, no it's a fan it's a really fancy house yeah and, that, yeah. and this is the summer home this isn't their, their right. main property yeah uh, they have their own dock it's like a private little harbor almost yeah yeah and their their other house their main house is in vilnius which is the the capital of lithuania uh so so we're assuming that they must have some nice property in the big city too um johnny you have anything to add yeah, no, that wasn't that actually wasn't my take at all. I actually thought that Oste was basically working poor. I mean, from the apartment, right. it, didn't, it didn't it didn't strike me as being wealthy on any level. And she had to work. She obviously was still pursuing her dreams. Um, the other uh, girl, Sangeli, didn't have to work at all. That was her summer home, like you said, and her parents were from the capital city. Um, so that wasn't my take at all. I, I felt like uh, th there was a very big difference in class. Now, that was just my take, but that's what I thought. Well, John, you could be right. I mean, we do yeah. see Oste at one point. Well, first of all, her living in the apartment, you, you know, I mean, when you're 17 or 18 or 19 and you, and you get yourself an apartment, obviously it's not going to be uh, a wealthy apartment unless your parents are filthy rich. So if you're middle class or poor and you get an apartment like this, it makes sense. That's so the kind of apartment I had. <laughs> yeah, but 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 we do see Oste at one point with her. What we're assuming is her mother. At with one the point, What's yeah, with the cookies. cookies. Yeah. yeah, it's either a mother or a grandmother or even a, an aunt. We're not really sure. And that seemed like the typical working class uh, house. Uh, not poor by any means, but but definitely working class. It reminded me actually of my grandparents on my mother's side. Uh, her parents that, that were uh, non unskilled, uh, tr you know, laborers type people, and and you know they did really good back in the day uh, when folks with unskilled uh, abilities, I guess, uh, could actually make a living. Unlike nowadays, where you know if you don't have to spread all the unions and there's yeah. no protections anymore. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And even but I union... didn't. I have to say, I didn't feel like there was any like uh, any class message in this movie. No. I would agree. Yeah, generally. I, yeah, I totally agree. There was no class message, but and I, I like that. I it, got the feeling that they were from different classes. Yeah, and I like that there was no class message that I had to think about. It was just two girls that were getting to know each other, and it wasn't like you know one was coming into this and was an outsider or anything like that. I don't know. I just liked that part of it. And also, was there an elevator in her building? I, I I took it that she was on the whatever floor and there was no elevator. And I'm like, that's not great. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there was an elevator. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you may be right, or maybe they're just the type of people like myself, you know, when you're that young, and you're not carrying stuff. You know, let's just do the stairs to, to get 
you know, your steps in that, that you know, to lose weight or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I, that's a fair point. Uh, uh, I wasn't thinking about steps at that age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. So yeah, but that's a fair point, uh, John. It could be one of those because you got to remember, uh, even though the, this is, this is Lithuania, which uh, unfortunately was part of the, the iron curtain, uh, which means uh, suppressed by the Soviets. Uh, and unlike some of those countries, in Eastern Europe, uh, Lithuania actually disappeared off the map for a good 40 something years because of, uh, or 50 something years because of uh, the evilness of the Soviet government. Um, and so when they regained their independence in uh, 1990 or 80 or whenever, the, 89 or whenever the hell it was, I forget, I used to know, um, they obviously, uh, you know, became one of the wealthier uh, Eastern European countries since then. Uh, but the thing is, is that some of the architect may still re remain from the Soviet era, uh, which at that time, uh, as we know, uh, the communist governments uh, don't necessarily follow the same standards uh, for building codes, environmental things, and on and on that the Western nations do. So, it well, and a lot of resources me, were going it, from there to, to back to Russia instead of staying there. But uh, but the building itself that's not going so so no, that built, that they didn't invest in it. But but the the building itself yeah. But at the time they I'm assuming they didn't assume that they would lose Eastern Europe including Lithuania. But I'm assuming what what it is is that uh, they didn't have disability requirements for for disabled folks. They didn't didn't, didn't even need um, you know toilets at. at restaurants like you know in the united states you know every restaurant and technically needs a toilet unless they're grandfathered in because they you know they were around 150 years ago um and then also um they may not even need an elevator so it wouldn't surprise me that this building was built by the soviets to just home random people and it's tough luck if you have no well, elevator honestly most of the apartments down here in richmond don't have elevators and some of them are three floors and, you know, like we had to look for a first floor place for my wife's uh, mom. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm shocked that, that they wouldn't ha have it because that. Yeah. No elevators. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't know if that would be allowed up here in the New England area because uh, they have disability rules and all this other stuff where you have to have requirements for certain folk. So, um, but either way, yeah. Unless, yeah. unless somehow they're like grandfathered in, like you mentioned, Phil, in Richmond, like Boston is one of those old, old cities that probably has some of those old, old buildings, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so. Uh, but here, yeah, yeah, the, that's a good point, John. Yeah, yeah, so the, the building uh, may be one of those uh, cheap apartments where they don't even have an elevator. And if she's on the fourth floor or whatever it appeared that she was on, um, you know, tough luck for her, you know, but she has a home um what else did we want to discuss about uh the two girls um it appears that Oste is very confident well-adjusted human being while Sangale uh is not yes I, I agree uh, yeah I mean Sangale is doing some things that are not good for her and uh she's almost I would say acting out but I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but yeah, yeah, it's curious. Uh, we'll, we'll get into uh, some of the things that she does privately that aren't necessarily healthy. Uh, but but there is one scene where 
at the very beginning of the film where she uh, visits, uh, well, not visits, but comes out to the backyard to hang out with her parents who are having a, like, a dinner party, outdoor dinner party with friends, and, and she kind of um, says something that, that was basically a shot at, at the mother specifically, um, and, and we learn reasons why later. Um, so self-esteem problems for sure. Um, I think a high standard is probably what has caused her to have problems. Her mom yeah. probably has a very high standard and meeting that expectation has caused her problems her whole life. Sure. Sure. Uh, we, we do learn, uh, later in the film that, uh, San Gilly also has a uh, vertigo, uh, which is a condition, uh, me and John Noel, uh, know a lot about it because uh, the Boston Red Sox used to have a player named Nick Saski, uh, who they they got from the Cincinnati Reds, who was um, one of those guys that uh, for three or four years with the Reds never made it to the superstar that everybody thought he was going to be, but he was still good. He was hitting like 20 or so homers a year, and then the Sox brought him in and he had a really great year, and they signed him to a long-term contract, and then his career went downhill quick, and he had to retire after like a year or two because. Uh, he had vertigo um, because he, he just couldn't see the ball correctly anymore. Um, so the condition, I don't know if it's as easily curable as this movie may um, suggest, uh, but either either way, it, it, it's a condition that uh, Sangeli has that also kind of uh, makes her self-esteem lower um, and it also kind of hurts what she has decided is one of her dreams, which is to fly. Well, uh, it, it could be, there's different types of vertigo. So hers could be psychosomatic. So it could be, I wouldn't say easy to fix, but might be easier than a physical condition. To that, correct. That's true. Okay. Yeah. If there is two versions of it, then you're probably right. Because yeah, I think Nick Kosaski's, uh, uh, was, was possibly a physical one. And so it just, it just didn't work for him anymore. And, and actually that's what derailed, uh, well, it didn't derail Jim Rice's career for the Red Sox, but but the same problem where his eyesight just really was so bad and, and stuff that it just destroys your career. Um, and again, those were physical, but you're right, Sangele, as it appears, is, it has nothing to do with physical. It has to do with uh, psycho, what was the, the term you Psychosomatic. Used? Yeah, psychosomatic. Yeah. But like my um, wife had, so, had um, vertigo after we went on a cruise, and it took a while for it to go away. Um, Interesting. And that was because of the cruise, you know, the waves and everything. It just some people get that after they cruise. So interesting. Yeah. 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 yeah they they call it getting your sea legs back and all that stuff. You know. Yeah, yeah. but it's a little different for her. It was like true vertigo because I had the sea leg stuff that was hard for me, but hers was like vertigo that wouldn't go away. It took a while. Right. Yeah, I I had vertigo happen to be maybe once. It was really weird because you, you the, everything just starts spinning. And and I was like, what the hell? And and so I talked to my pediatrician, not pediatrician, my my general practitioner. Um, I have two little girls, so I always talk about pediatricians, pediatricians. Uh, but um, so I went to my general practitioner because I was like, it was just weird. Like the week later, I, I had my yearly appointment, so it was perfect. I didn't have to, you know. And uh, he said, oh yeah, don't worry about it. It was a, it was a fluke. You know, you probably had uh, ear stuck in uh, in your ear, ear a 
A-I-R, stuck in your ear, E-A-R, and stuff, and, and it happens every so often, and sure enough, it's never happened since, since so most likely that's what it was, but uh, because you, it can throw off your balance, I guess, if you, one ear is clogged or something. Um, so, yeah, we, we'll get into a lot of these topics when we get into spoilers. Uh, anything else anybody wanted to bring up uh, that's not spoiler-related? Uh, There's a scene where she's swimming in in the area outside behind her house that I just thought was amazing. Oh, that was really floating in the water in the middle of this area, and it's just so beautiful. And I think they had another scene going on at the same time. They were switching back and forth. Yeah, yeah, with 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 saying with Austin, I think. Yeah, they're doing some working in her in her apartment, built making some clothes, making the dress. Yeah, making the dress. I think it's just a beautiful scene, just the way it goes back and forth, and her just in the water. I I just. curious how they did it because because there's three ways you can do it the, the obviously uh plane slash helicopter the other is crane and then the most modern way because uh, a lot of independent films or filmmakers that just don't have a hollywood budget ha- are now lucky enough um and, and a lot of them use it uh drones and so i'm curious wh- which of the three it was um it wouldn't surprise me if it was an airplane because again we did get a lot of airplane shots in this film and it wouldn't surprise me that uh based off of uh, the director having those connections it could have been a, a plane um but e- either way whatever it was it, it was an amazing shot uh, i would agree 100 percent barrett um a lot a lot of cool shots uh both with light um and and with um drone slash uh, plane shots too. Um, um, yeah. I, that, speaking about that scene, I would say it was probably a helicopter or a drone because I feel like a plane would have been, you know, going by too fast to get those still almost hovering shots that that was. Yeah. And uh, that, that scene, not only was it beautiful, I think it was a metaphor for um, Sengale's, you know, character just kind of like, you know, floating through life at that point. Like, you know, still, making that push for living out her dreams, so to speak. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was a really cool scene. I enjoyed it. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Aste is doing what she loves and hopes to do the rest of her life. Yeah. It's, it's great. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So they yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. One's already found herself while the other is still floating and trying to figure it out. Um, also, wasn't she nude in that film or was she just topless or either way, her, her, her bathing suit, was like skin color if if she did even have a bathing suit on but since it was such a um uh i guess not quiet moment but uh uh remote moment meaning meaning no one was around it could have been either um and if she was nude at least or at least partially nude that would have shown more uh even more metaphor there for, for for being um i guess uh like almost in the womb you know the water in the womb or, or even something yeah. like like um, uh, when, when you're when you have no clothes on, what, what, what do the people say? And, and you're in front of people, you know, you're, if you're on stage and you had no clothes on, what would they call that? They would call that. Um, what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, public indecency. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure where you're going with that. Um, I was thinking uh, more like baptism. Yeah, it could be baptism too. Yeah, that's, that's a good one, Barry. Um, yeah, yeah. That's I know true. What Phil's talking about almost like being like she was being like reborn again or, or just born again in that situation where she's, you know, like, you know. That's why I thought the womb that when you said the womb, that just seemed appropriate. Kind of like a baptism, a new life. She's, yeah. she's starting to know herself. 
Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and we, I, I don't know. The, again, I can't think of the other word I'm th- thinking of, but it, it's basically uh, she's basically letting herself be seen by the entire world in a sense, even though no one's there watching her. But uh, if she was nude or, or partly nude, um, she's basically uh, exposing herself to uh, judgment, the world, to whatever and stuff. So, I mean, there's a lot of metaphors you could, you could look into this. I get your point there. That yeah. Means- yeah, but again, I wish I knew the word. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I just can't. I can't. It'll come to you. I've, I've, Welcome uh, to fifty. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a great scene. Uh, the other great scene was um, um, the one of, one of the actually actually a lot, most of the the two times that they or three times or so they they actually um, do the deed, so to speak. Um, the one of them it's in the Aste's apartment and there's like all this um lights from like um basically like like uh she probably has like things hanging on the wall she makes art too and so uh when when the light comes through the window it hits the these little trinkets and then that makes these little lights that bounce around the room similar to like you know you do with a cat or a dog and, the, and they go crazy trying to chase it uh but there's dozens of them and it, it goes around them as as they're being intimate then there's the the sun and the uh the field uh at one point where it shines and you get like the solar flares from like a jj abrams type thing and then there's the third the other time which is the first time i think the consummation of the relationship where they're underneath um uh, like a, a sheet or something that that uh Oste had brought because she they do a lot of um photography Oste does photography as well and she wow. dresses Sangali up in all these costumes another great scene <laughs> yeah and 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 so she has all this cloth with her and and then they they kind of do it in the field underneath the cloth as well and and the way you see through the cloth and under the cloth and and, and stuff it's it gives a kind of cool uh, lighting and, and whatnot as well. It's all tastefully done and very erotic, um, but not like, you know, softcore porn or anything. It's just like nice scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one was uh, uh, probably no more really graphic than The Gymnast or Circumstance. So obviously, Summertime had full frontal nudity and stuff, um, but uh, all in all, yeah, there, there, there's been no like. Um, anything close to softcore in, in any of these four films? No, no, that's not what I was trying to imply. No, but I know, I know what you mean. I know. It was done tastefully, is what you meant. Really yeah, everything cool. was done really well. Yeah, yeah, it had quite a, a artistic flair. The entire, you know, the entire movie, was like 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 Barrett said in the open, is beautifully shot. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, you could say the movie was a a, a piece to show um, the filmmaker's ability. So. So they can possibly get other films, you know, like the cinematographer, uh, obviously the director, uh, the editor, uh, you know, and on and on. Uh, but you also could say that all this was done too, um, because the film, that their their relationship is an art. You know, their friendship, their relationship, whatever you want to call it, is an art. So the movie itself presents the entire. It, presents itself as art as well so it's not it's more than just a drama the film is definitely um artistic as well yeah um, 
let's see. Anything else that we want to discuss before we throw up the spoiler uh, general stuff? Well, I'll throw in one last thing to kind of go back to. We talked about the uh, what I felt was a difference of class between the two. Um, when we went to that party in the beginning of the, the movie, they went to the lake and they went swimming. And uh, Oste mentioned that the, the water would be warm enough because it was basically next to, I don't know if it was a nuclear power plant or an electrical plant. But she basically inferred that she was well aware that the proximity of this either nuclear power plant or electrical plant or whatever was essentially, uh, you know, warming the water that they were going to swim in. And Sengali was kind of like naive to that. Um, I thought that was another thing that would show you the difference in their class, maybe that one is a little naive. The other one is like a little more real world. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, that's a fair point. Uh, yeah, because uh, the lake, I don't think it's the same lake that uh, Sangale's uh, Vista, Villa, 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 I guess. Yeah, Villa, yeah, not Vista. Not Vista. Um, yeah, so it's a different one. Um, and basically what it is is that uh, Oste works at the power plant uh, in the cafeteria. So she you know, makes desserts and, and cleans up and you know pretty much does everything. Um, and so the the lake or I should say the power plant is on the lake and so you know obviously this is uh, her world in a sense you know she's born and raised and grows up in this this town while Sangale is you know comes here just for the summers uh, so that that's a fair point John um, most people who uh, would live in a town where there's a power plant and and, and that's that's just uh, a hypothesis and not saying that's true in all cases, but people who live near a power plant or whatnot, you would think the property values would be a little less just for the fact that uh, you're, you're near a power plant. Uh, anytime you're near industry, it's usually less um, unless, you know, location is very important. And if the place is very close, you know, like obviously the, the uh, factory setting of North New Jersey uh, used to be working class, but now I mean it's very gentrified just for the fact that it's so close to Manhattan, you know, so, something like that. Um, but um, here, yeah, that that makes a good point, John, with with uh, the class because uh, Sangali is is clueless and 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 whatnot. Probably never seen anything like this. Well, this is Oste's life, basically. And yet she has is having a harder time living, which I find ironic. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, well, as as we know, um, you can, you know, if you're middle class, you can still be much happier than wealthy folk if you feel good in 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 your own skin um, and whatnot. Because obviously, a lot of problems that that make or break people aren't necessarily whether they have money or not. You know, obviously that's important. Yeah. It doesn't cases. make you happy. It just makes things easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but of course, you know, you, you can have people that are wealthy who have low self-esteem, who feel inadequate or whatever. And you can have people that are poor or in the middle class that are generally happy with life and see dreams and a future, you know, like Oste, who is convinced she's going to become a fashion designer and if she um you know works at it she could get into college and, and most certainly do that and we'll discuss uh her ending 
uh, when we get into spoilers. So, so yeah, that's that's a really good point, John, um, about the class and, and whatnot. And also a good point that uh, with you, Barrett, that uh, Sangali is definitely not happy at all, while Aste is uh, happy as a person. Yeah, which I think is a, a very a brilliant you know job in the writing of the movie because that's that is like Barrett said the reality of the world is that. Money and all those things don't make you happy, and there's a lot of poor people that are happy, and vice versa, and everything. That's just that's the way of the world. So it was good writing there. I'll disagree. Money makes you happy. I'll tell you that right now. If, if I didn't have money, to, it, I I would never have to worry about being employed again because I'm, you know, because it can, you help, get to, it can help make you happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, money, money that can not had money might not yeah. not might not be like you because they've always had it, so they don't have anything to compare to. Right, right. So I know what you mean, John. I'm, I'm just busting you. But, but, <laughs> but truthfully, if you did have money, then all these certain worries about losing your house or losing your job or losing yep. uh, your college tuition for your kids, you know, on and on, you wouldn't have to worry about that, you know. So, so money, believe me, that can make you much happier, if not completely happy. Uh, but it's it's not the the end all either and and i right. think that's what, no, you, what i mean you, i totally agree with you and until you have a problem with like addiction or some type of health problem or a family member has a health problems something that money can't fix and then all of a sudden that's when you realize oh this is bad you know? or money could fix you just don't have enough of it right <laughs> yeah yeah right right in, in in the middle class point yeah that's a good point yeah, yeah. exactly yeah yeah that's true um uh, yeah, and, and some diseases, it uh, doesn't matter if you have money or not, because, you know, it's just, there's no cure, or there's no this, or whatever, yeah. so. Um, it's too or, rare that you could never afford the medicine for it anyway, or something. Right, right. And, and even if you could afford the medicine, the medicine is the type that only quells pain, and it doesn't help you or solve the problem, so. So a lot, a lot, of, a lot of things, but that's, that's off topic, but yeah, we, we get the point. So, um... Anyway, all right. Well, so let's just throw up the spoiler uh, at this point because you know we can talk about everything and anything. Uh, so we will we will dissect and critique, uh, discuss the meanings and metaphors, all that good stuff uh, from this point on. Uh, so the spoiler alert is up. <clears throat> so all right. one of the things I wanted to talk about was her drive home with that guy after the party at the beach. And yeah. she has sex with him. I, I think that points to her not knowing who or what she is or what she's doing or where she's going. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, so let's talk about it. So, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll skip around here and there, but we'll, we'll start right there anyway. So so she goes to that party that John, had, John you referred to uh, where everybody goes swimming and whatnot. Uh, Sangali goes to take a leak in the, in the tall grass or something, and she sees one guy banging – um, there's a really attractive blonde girl that's friends with Oste. Uh, I'm not sure what that necessarily meant. Except Isn't it maybe, the same guy that she sees? Yeah, I, I think it may be, yeah. <laughs> so she eventually just has sex with this guy in front of a power station. Um, not, not, the, not the power plant, but a station. You know, one of those things where you have all those tall uh, towers and, and the pole with um, a, a hub, a power yeah. hub. What's that? Transformers. Yeah, Transformers. There you go. And, hey, say that uh, again. I like the sound of that. Tra who? Me or John? <laughs> His accent with it. Transformers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. A H. We, we don't pronounce the E R. Uh, so the 
the thing is, is that, um, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, she's possibly by, by the, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing she's, she's by, to be honest, and, or omnisexual. Yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, and it's interesting too, because I think like, I think this film, like the gymnast, Especially and in somewhat summertime, which are just two of the other films we we talked about, um, their sexuality isn't as important as their ultimate dreams. Well, and she seems almost uninterested while they're doing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she found more pleasure in the electrical stuff. This is so beautiful. <laughs> right. Well. Well. It, again, you know, I mean. Is a backseat of a car? How romantic can that be? Oh, everybody, I know. Everybody still has their clothes on, except your your, your uh, panties are down by your knees. But so it's not like it's going to be all that great for either person. Even though you know guys will just jump on it just because it's it's a girl. It's like ooh, a girl, a girl. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's definitely not going to necessarily be a good thing but but you're right it's it's it could be also she's just not interested because she's determining that she's not attracted to men or specifically this man but maybe men in general yeah uh, uh but again they don't really um focus on the the true sexuality of the characters um except for what we see on the screen and by, you know, by mid film, you know, there she's in a, I guess, in a lesbian relationship. Well, and from that point onward, I don't think we see these friends again. It's just her and Asta, right? Yeah. They only see him one other time of uh, the tapeworm scene, you know, at the campfire. Oh, right. Yeah. So, so there's one other big party where all the people hang out together. <laughs> funny scene. And, and that, that I think was, those scenes were there really to just build up the friendship between Sangali and Aste because until those two scenes, when they determined that they're friends, they didn't need the other people anymore because now they can just hang out together without thinking it's weird. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's even that way in, in heterosexual friendships where, you know, somebody asks you, Hey, what's hanging out? And it's like, I don't really know this guy that well. Um, so I'll say, yeah, all right, let's hang out. Uh, can I bring a couple of my friends? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. And everybody goes and then you, you become comfortable with hanging out. And then, you know, eventually you and, and your buddy can start going to ball games without saying, who is this guy? He's kind of weird. You know, but at that point you've determined that, okay, I like this guy. He's a good friend and we'll hang out. So at that point, the friends aren't needed anymore because at that point they're saying Galilee specifically has already determined that she likes Oste as a, as a friend and so she's not worried to hang out solo with her anymore. And Aste obviously wants to not hang out with the friends anymore because she has uh, a different ulterior motive uh, for Sangali, which is she's obviously uh, attracted to her. And and we can say that Aste, similar to Summertime, uh, where one character, specifically Aste in this film, is probably lesbian right from the beginning till the end. While Sangale could be a bi or a sexual person, am I right to say that? Yeah, because even at the end, I'm not sure. Like, it seems like their relationship could start up again, but you're not sure. Yeah, well, and, and kind of ambiguous. 
Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting because again, that, that the ending makes the film make me determine that Sangale really her sex isn't even another person. Her sex is her dream. Her that's that's yeah, her lying. Yeah, that's it. You know, well, well, Aste, um, her passions are many things, including a relationship plus her dream of being a fashion designer. So, so she's more of a uh, a well-rounded human being versus Sangali, who seems more, and I'll say the uh, the word of the week, Barrett, more of a cipher, uh, where she is. She is. That's perfect. Yeah. So she's so, yeah. kind of neutral, kind of through the whole movie. I mean, she's not neutral to herself. Right. <laughs> she, she doesn't like herself very much. Um, right. But she's definitely neutral to everything around her. Except maybe yeah. her mom. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she hates her mom probably until the very end. There's an interesting scene where he, she actually her asks mom. her mom something about her. She asks her mom about herself. You know, yeah, what, that's true. what was it like yeah. being a ballerina? Yeah, yeah. That's a good scene too. But I was even referring to the scene where her mother is has just come out of the shower and is in a bathrobe and is just laying on the on the, the floor. And if you remember that scene, and yeah. Sangale just walks out of her bedroom and sees her there while her mother's just contemplating, you know, or whatever, life in general by staring up in the ceiling. Um, and that that was an interesting scene as well. But, yeah, generally her only passions seem to be anger at her mother and disgust with herself, maybe. Yeah, and it's almost like so – we'll talk about her cutting herself. It's almost like the cutting made her feel alive. Yeah. That's what they say about cutters. Um, I, I will say that she's a little odd duck, uh, because, uh, um, an ex friend of mine and John's had a weird moment similar to this where he broke up with his girlfriend, his girlfriend dumped him. And then he went outside to get attention, but but he at least Sangeli does it alone. But she, he wants he wanted to make a symbolic gesture where he brought out pictures of him and his ex girlfriend and gifts that she gave and put them in one of those hibachis and, and lit it on fire. And the scene here where Sangeli kind of does that too, and and she does it alone. Uh, but either way, it kind of reminds me of, of my, John and, and my ex-friend that we used to hang out with because it was almost like um, – Did he invite everybody over to see it? Uh, there was like three of us there, I think, besides him. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, uh, that is a little big, weird. Big ordeal out of it. It was, it was quite – Yeah, a- it was an attention grabber. It, it was – I mean, it's like, you know, it sucks, but, you know, he was just trying to gain – I don't know, it was just weird, you know. It was like a sim- he was trying to pretend he was an artist, you know, where he was doing <laughs> symbolism as well, you know, of how awful, you know. The, I was like, whatever, and um, <laughs> and and she kind of did this here, and we'll talk about that scene a little later. But um, she, the reason I brought that scene up here, in hand in hand with what you brought up about her cutting, which she uses one of those pencil dividers you know, or geogra- geometry type. I think I'd have found something better to cut myself with too. That looked painful. Yeah, but <laughs> but she she definitely has uh, her her deep soul is obviously 
not healthy. And so you're right. She does certain things dramatically, whether it's cutting. And again, no disrespect for, to people who, dis, who cut or um, the burning of certain keepsakes that she had um, makes her feel alive. So that's why she does these 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 things, I guess. Yeah, like like sleeping with that guy in the car. She was in search to feel something. That's all. It was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 right, right. So she hooked up with the guy on the one night stand. She was hoping to feel something. I don't know that yeah. she did. I think she felt more for the electricity than she did for him. I think. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. she she did learn something, which is this wasn't the guy. Yeah. So this wasn't the person that she she was gonna want to be hook up with. Um, and, and it was cool too, because she, he brings her there again later in the film and, and they cut to the end rather than showing what happens. She just says no hard feelings, meaning I'm dumping you. <laughs> and then she just walks home from there. It was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> so that's how she let him down. Um, so yeah, well, let's talk about, so, so she goes to this, the setup at the beginning of the, of the film. She, goes to this this uh air and, and naval show and they do all these cool stunts and Asta is working there as i guess like a fly girl yeah you know like like when you go to a a car show and there's these attractive like a girls. 40s like a 40s fly girl yeah yeah so, maybe yeah so yeah. you go to a car show and they have these you know real pretty models that uh are there to 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 sit in the car or or to be near the car so basically one of those times. So she was one of those girls. And since this is a lot of old fashioned planes, uh, yeah, they have Oste is dressed up as a 1940s fly girl, basically. So uh, red lipstick, really, you know, really well made up um, like you would see in, a, in an old 1940s newsreel, for example. Um, and Oste immediately is her eye is caught. Uh, and she immediately, you could tell, has an attraction for uh, Sangeli. Um, there's one lucky winner will get to fly in the plane with a pilot. Um, so Aste gives her a um, one of the tickets. She pulls it out, and Aste sees what number it is. So when Aste is later is to uh, pull out the ticket, she just lies and says, number 17. You know, even though it really wasn't number seven, who knows what number it was, but she knew number 17 was Sangley. Um, but Sangley refuses um, for some reason. Uh, so what did you guys think of this? Where we, Sangley, I guess, uh, issue, specifically the vertigo, which is the thing that may halt her from getting her dream, which is to be a fly girl, uh, stunt pilot or whatever you want to call it. Um, what did you think of how that was not revealed to us until, you know, halfway through the film. Well, she didn't know she had the vertigo until she went on that test run with that guy. Then she realized she had a major problem, right? Okay. So why did she turn down the flight then? Just because uh, yeah, I anybody did. could be scared to be in a, a small plane? Maybe? Well, I, I thought two things. And Barry, you can jump in with my thought here. Same with you, Phil. But um, I thought she didn't like the fact that maybe the – raffle was rigged and she didn't feel like she deserved it because she's like one of those people that maybe doesn't feel like she deserves anything you know what i mean not yeah. enough for her mother, okay. blah 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 but the other thing would just be fear and anxiety of that first step if you will right and also 
just having all that attention on you because you're the girl that's both, picked both and then everybody's looking at you. I'm the type of person that if I want something like that and, and they say, come on up and get your prize. And I would have to stand up and, you know, in, in a big auditorium and everybody's looking at you. I'd be like, oh, geez. I mean, not as bad as I used to be, but if I was 17, like I was back then with lower self-esteem and stuff and not as comfortable in my skin, like I am now, um, yeah, I could see myself chicken and out too and not standing up, you know. I mean, but it did kind of seem rigged. Like Asta looked into the bowl. Well, a, no, I don't think it was. That's not how it, that's not how it was rigged. It was rigged. I think it was because what happened was she gave the ticket to Sangeli. Sangeli opens the ticket in a seventeen, and Asta looks at the ticket. So when later when she pulls out of the bowl. We, we, she just, she pulls it out, opens it, but they don't show it to us. And she just says 17 because she already had that. In other words, it was probably rigged. I, I, I thought it was rigged right from the rigged. beginning. So you didn't, think it was, you didn't think it was rigged, Barrett? Well, me and John. I'm not sure. I, I'm saying it gave the appearance that it could be. She knew the number. So she could have been looking in there to see if she saw one that was that number. But but um, you get again. She just pulls out the piece. She of doesn't paper. go like she doesn't reach in, not looking. She's looking directly in the bowl. Okay, but but either way, but she still has to open the piece of paper. And since well, no one else sees were, the piece, they weren't all else, closed up. All right. Well, either way, she didn't. No one had. No one else saw the piece of paper to her when she read out the number. And it wasn't like they. She had to hand it over to the guy. She just said it's seventeen. So either way, either way. All right. So you're thinking it may be, may or not been rigged. Well, me and Johnny are pretty sure it was. So, you know, we'll let the, the viewers, if they want to watch the film, they can determine <laughs> their thoughts. I say it could be. We don't know for sure. Barrett, I have to say, out yeah, of I'm, everything you've discussed here. in all these years, I can't believe you don't think that was rigged. I am yeah. shocked. I watched the film twice, and both times, three years ago, and and last night, I thought it was she purposely rigged it, and 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 said seventeen because she wanted to, um, you know, get Sangilly, uh to notice her, you know. But either way, we'll move on. Um, and then before Sangilly leaves, uh, Aste says, "Hey, uh, hey I, I'm all summer. I'm working at the power plant cafeteria." If you want to come and, and visit me. So basically the cafeteria isn't just for the employees. It's actually a restaurant where anybody can go and eat. Uh, nice. and that's you. Food looked good. It sure <laughs> did. It sure did. So, so that's the, that's the opening scene basically. Right. And then the second, next scene is when Sangali goes home and we learn that she doesn't like her mother that much because her, one of her, her, her friend, mother's friends say, you know, we haven't seen you for a while and whatever. And then the mother and father talk about they're hoping their daughter will do something. And her daughter says, yeah, I'm thinking that I'll grow uh, when I get out of high school, I'm, I'm going to become a whore. <laughs> um, and so and she embarrasses her mother in front of her, her mother's friends. And then she goes into her room and she begins to cut. And so that pretty much um, is all you need. So, you know, you get 10 to 15 minutes between those two scenes. You pretty much know everything you need to know for the first 40 minutes or first half of this film, basically, because it sets up that there's a, that a girl is mostly named Oste is, is a lesbian who obviously has the hots for Sangeli. And we know that Sangeli is, I don't want to say disturbed, but a, not a happy person. And, and that's pretty much what those two scenes set up. I think she has mental health issues as you would say. 
Yeah, behavioral health individual. Behavioral health issues. She cuts herself, and that's not necessarily good for you. Yeah, the, the whole self-mutilation thing, obviously, is like, you know, people have other things at play along with that specific behavior. Yep. Right, right. It's a, it's a damn shame no matter how you slice it. Yeah. Yeah, no pun intended there, right, John? It's a damn sh- shame no matter how you slice it. Exactly right. Um, uh, so, so yeah, um, so yeah, obviously that, when I first saw this film, um, that kind of disturbed me because usually films that show people that cut and unfortunately I can't name any at this moment, but I've, you know, seen them in passing. It leads to something horrible, like suicide, drugs, you know, the movie goes into mass, mass uh, spirals. So this is going to be one of those type of films, dark films, but here it doesn't do it that way. It's interesting. It just shows that, as basically you said, Johnny, uh, it, it's a way for her to make herself feel something, I guess. Um, well, and it's also, not. It's also it shows that people with issues are also normal. They're not yeah, necessarily it, abnormal. They still live their lives like everybody else. Yeah, they, they are still functional people in society. Right. Yeah. yeah you might no. not know who does that. Anybody could. I right. could be a cutter. You wouldn't know unless right. I was like, you know, <laughs> showing it off. Well, no, right. the thing is, too, with cutting, Barrett, is a lot of people, you know, cut the inside of their legs or they cut their yeah. arm or their sleeves. Like, you don't you don't know what the, what's going on. Right. And that's probably intentional because they don't want the people to know that they're cutting. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, I mean, there's there. uh I remember, you know, me and Johnny used to there. There used to be like poker rooms around the the uh, southern New Hampshire area. There's a few still, but I don't haven't done it for a few years because there's a lot of lousy players and and they play stupid and I, I just flip out. It's like ah, so I can't do it anymore. But um, I knew all the a lot of people that I, I, you know, and you and you eventually learn meet some of these people after a while and you, because they come the, in the same time as you, and so you find out that. They don't. No one ever tells you, but you can tell. Okay, this guy was in jail once. This this person here is is shy and and probably a cutter. This person, you know, you can you and you can tell. So they're they're all over the place. And if you just meet them once, a person with any behavioral health, whether it's sociopath all the way to uh, depression, um, you won't know until you know. You right. know what I'm saying? You have these folks all the time, and and they're every day and whatever and they the problem with them is that when they're alone they have their personal demons that are just eating away their soul but their those personal demons don't affect you because which is that god I, I mean usually i cut out a lot of people i've cut out a lot of friends that are, it's just like that have so many demons and it's like dude i got my own problems i don't need your fucking crap so i just cut them off and, and you know obviously someone like sangeli no one is going to be disturbed by her because she's not an offensive person but at home where she feels all alone because she's not close to her mother and her mother as we find out kind of helped her along with low self-esteem um she's eating away her own soul at home because of her own personal demons. Yeah. And the mom's not like the nicest person in the world. I mean, she's not nice in front of the friends. So it's not like she definitely, definitely deserved, you know, respect. Well, 
we don't we that, that's the problem with a lot of these type of films. And again, I'm playing the devil advocate here and looking at it as if I'm somebody else, which is yeah, the mother. We we don't know enough about the mother or the father for that matter to know if all the things that Sangeli has feels because of her mother are self-inflicted, meaning she just takes things way over personal because she just has one of those personalities that if you say bad, you're immediately. Well, we know one thing about the mother. She's got to be a perfectionist. And she expected great things of Singali from the way she talks about her in front of those parents. Yeah. All right. I mean, but, you know, you, you but she was still talking her daughter up. It wasn't like she was talking to her saying my daughter's a loser or anything like that, you know, but she was over emphasizing her daughter's skill set, I guess. And so the daughter knew that it wasn't necessarily true and so felt even more inadequate. So what the question is, was it intentional? The mother Two-way street, man. Both parties have something in the game. <laughs> yeah, and, well, and that's why I'm I'm being devil's advocate here, which is we're yeah. we're learning everything through Sangali's perspective and what she says to uh, Aste about her mother. When you could always say maybe maybe she just takes things way too personal. And again, with well, her, we get no interaction with her and her father, right? I don't no, think not, we not see really. her, her father seemed like an absolute dud. I mean, yeah. is uh, the, cereal, like, like you know. uh, the father's the type that, you know, let the mother rule the, the roost. Basically. Right. You know, I mean, the mother was a semi-famous ballet dancer, pretty good looking, probably was wanted by dozens of men when she was younger. And so, and the husband is a successful businessman, but again, you're just anonymous businessman, even if you're successful, except for people maybe in the, that company's field while everybody probably knows who the 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 woman is especially in what most likely was soviet russia at the time because you know ballet in russia is huge even to this day and even though this is lithuania uh you gotta remember lithuania was part of the soviet union at that time so all the people that were lithuanian gymnasts or ballerinas or whatnot a lot of them worked um in russia rather than lithuania so she so i I think yeah maybe maybe the mother is her head's like way big and knows it and unfortunately takes advantage of it a little bit um but again i'm just being devil's advocate which is saying galley's the type of girl that seems not comfortable in her skin anyway and she may take any slight as a personal attack that is the end of the world versus say someone that's more comfortable in their skin that would just, it would just roll off their back. Like, well, she, she also might just have a problem because she's a cutter and she seems to be looking for something that would make her feel alive. And it seems to be like, you know, stunt pilots, not like normal. It's not a normal job. It's exhilarating. And then when she talks to her mom about what her mom did and what it felt like, she seems to take a special Ooh, this, this is good Barrett. she takes a special interest in the mom saying she felt the most alive ever when she was up in front of that audience you know what this is a really good thing that you just brought up which and i didn't think of it until you brought it up right now the scene with her talking to her mother about ballet and why was it so important to be on the stage and how did it feel her talking to uh Oste about cutting and how 
or, or, or you know, why she does it. You guys talking about people who cut because it makes them feel alive. Um, her, her wanting to be a stunt pilot, you know, with with the you know the, the same reason why people ride roller coasters because it makes them feel alive. So maybe she just has this thing in her psyche makeup that she has to have some sort of rush to feel alive, you know, because why would she care how it feels? I mean, would she even have to ask her mother how it feels to be on stage? You you know, I mean, we all know anybody who's standing up at home plate and, and hits a home run in the major league baseball and all the people are cheering, or if you're a rock star on the stage and everybody's cheering or, you know, on, you can go on and on, you know, the rush is there. It's there, you know? So, I think I think yeah that may be you could argue that's a, a mental illness too or some sort yeah. sort of behavioral. I think health. cutting's a symptom of yeah. what her true problem is. Yeah, yeah, and so even if she is a pilot and is successful, the reason she's doing it is not even because it's her dream, but it's also partly to make sure that she feels alive. Well, and it's funny because Which when she's talking existence. to Asta at the very end, she seems totally emotionless. Yeah. And then she gets in the plane and it's like the plane is an extension of herself. Maybe she has some sort of and again, no, no disrespect for people who have this. Uh we all know folks who do, but maybe she has some sort of autism. That could be too, yeah. You know, I mean, seriously because yeah, you're right. Even after you know, again, we're in spoiler territory. Even after she overcomes vertigo and makes her dream come true she still seems robotic and and strange while Aste is always is is never a cipher we all we know oh, yeah uh, she loves this girl she, she loves her, her work she loves point. she loves life she loves everything yeah yeah, yeah. and That's she made it possible for her to become a stunt pilot really she made her face yeah. her fear the vertigo so that she could feel alive yeah right yeah you know something that's interesting about this stunt pilot stuff is they showed a lot of uh scenes where the the plane would be like corkscrewing spiraling spiraling to, to earth you right. know barreling to earth and you know basically uh you know fractions of a second between life and death basically and i think that's like a metaphor for the cutting is that if you cut too deep you know, you could like hit a vein and then maybe like bleed out, especially where she was cutting herself on the wrists and stuff like that. Um, right. You know, so who knows? I mean, obviously, she's not operating with necessarily a, a full deck in the sense that she wants to choose a career where, you know, they go to the top of the, the apex and they shut the engine off, barrel towards Earth and then cut the engine back on and like. Right. You know, you're you're always teetering in that profession. Yeah, and and and, and to be fair, uh, for that profession, you you know you don't you don't hear too many people dying in that profession, but you do hear about it every so often. You know, I mean, I think I've at least heard one or two already this year that crash, you know, accident occurs or whatever. So even if it is still safe, especially if you're skilled. Because the the chance of an accident happening is is minimal, and if it does happen, it, it's not going to be because of your talent. It's going to happen because of a malfunction of the the device, specifically the airplane. Um, it's still an, 
uh, it's still not, you know, an accountant where you're not going to die, period, unless you're, you're just stupid and, you, and, you, and you're, when you're crossing the street to get a, a sandwich for lunch, you get run over, you know, <laughs> so, so, it, you know, so it's like certain professions, you know, Johnny Noel he used to be a police officer, you know, fortunately you, you didn't live, I mean, work in a major a city where uh, crime was rampant, but just being a cop, no matter where you are, you know, that, that, it's more likely something bad would happen as a policeman, I assume, John, and I'll let you speak for this. But uh, let me let me finish my thought. It's it was it's more dangerous to be a policeman every day than it would be for that being an accountant. Just for the fact that even though most policemen will never get hurt or killed, the chances is still there versus say an accountant. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, you know, nobody's dying of a fatal carpal you know tunnel syndrome. I mean, that's right. Just, in the office, they, they, they Daryl says, Michael, you live a nerf life. If, if you ever seen that one where, because they're talking about, uh, the, the, the office work, which is, you know, keyboards and all that versus where Daryl works, which is in the warehouse part. And they're using tractors and, and uh, all this other stuff. And he goes, we're, we're doing real work. You, you, you're doing nerf ball. And, and Michael gets all upset. Sorry. I just said to my office reference, but, um, yeah, I mean, so so that's that's she's choosing a profession intentionally that is dangerous, and also the the whole thing, especially at the beginning, when when we see the plane barreling down to Earth and all this, it also kind of symbolizes her own spiral in a sense. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting because even when she becomes a pilot and she spirals to Earth, you know, that's like her life always spiraling out of control and then somehow she she recovers at the end you know just like she does in the movie so yeah so i i think you're right i think she's choosing that profession because any other type of profession won't keep her alive or make her feel alive i should say and even a relationship in this case with Oste, even though she appreciates Oste and thank you for being you she says at you know, the end of the film you know, two years later to go by and Oste still has feelings because she's a normal human being. While I think Sangale, if she had never seen Oste again, would probably not even noticed because she's just a strange person. Yeah. And I think Oste, you can still see she's in love with her, but at right. that very last moment, they show her, her eyes are wide with love. <laughs> right. she's getting in the plane yeah it's just well and and, and again there's there's another thing where where she's trying to get oste oste's trying earlier in the film she's trying to get sangali to to do a, a plane to try to fight her vertigo and sangali flips out and and says i don't want to ever see you again or whatever and burns the dress that she made for yeah her. burned yeah that's where she burns the dress and burns the the little uh, ticket that said number 17 and all this other stuff. That was rigged. Rigged. Rigged, that's right. Um, so. I'm turning around now. I, I, I think, I think, she, you know, you know, you know, that's, that's the thing is that something about Sangale is also she's kind of, I don't want to say she's a true narcissist, but she's definitely only thinking for about herself over everybody else too, I think. And, and, when she and and the way she treated Oste, 
makes me feel that she takes things personally that aren't really slights. So that's why I'm thinking her mother may not be as bad as she claims her mother is. Well, and I that can she see- may be the problem in that relationship, not the mother. And I think at the, by the end of the film, when she sees, talks to her mother about dancing, never mind when she sees her mother um, in the bath towel, she's beginning to understand that maybe her mother isn't the problem after all. I do think Love she's it. not a true nar- narcissist, and I'll say that because she does feel bad about burning that stuff. She cuts the dress to make it fitter, you know, without the burn parts, <laughs> puts yeah. it on and goes to see Austin and say, I'm sorry. Um, and they do get back together. So I would say that right there shows she's not a true narcissist, but she's verging on it <laughs> for sure. By the way, and- when she went to visit um, her at the uh, the plant cafe, uh, after she resuscitated, if you will, the uh, dress that she set on fire, sure. did it not have burn marks and looked like pig pen all over it? It was had it, a hole it, cut in the back because she burned part of the back. So it was like a diamond shape cut out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. that was bizarre. You know, that she would put that on, probably smelled charred and everything. Like. Yeah, well, I think she put it back on. It could have been for sentimental reasons, but also trying to get... Uh, Aste to uh, come back because look, I'm still wearing your dress even though I destroyed it and burned it. <laughs> and again, she 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 doesn't. That's why I'm thinking she may have some autism or something because she doesn't have the normal social skills of a well-adjusted person. Yeah, you know, she can't talk to people. She does. In other words, she wouldn't have even hung out with Aste if it wasn't for Aste pursuing her. It, but she, I got to give her credit. She did go to the cafe. She did. She right. did, you know, um, and then they, there was that awesome dessert and uh, she, they called it a comet, meteor, something? a comet. Yeah. Something. Yeah. It was no comet. It, was it a snow yeah, comet? No comet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which was kind of cool, which, which was made up. Yeah. Uh, Cause the guy was like, what? We don't have that here. We only have what you see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was later in the film when she's trying to get back together with, um, Austin. Uh, is it too late to tell you what the, the biggest problem I have with the movie? Is it no. Too- all right here it is so at the uh so she does fulfill her dreams of becoming a stunt pilot okay so we all so to me to be a stunt pilot it's not like you're just taking off and landing and flying a normal flight right you're doing high-end maneuvers and you have to be able to centrifugal force and g-forces and all kinds of things right Yep. And in two or three years' time, she becomes an expert to do all this with no flying experience, essentially. You know? I'm not sure she was an expert. She still had a guy going up with her. Yeah, and she and she also had that guy still forcing her to demonstrate what he, she's going to do on yeah. the ground, you know? But wasn't she – wait, so at the end, she wasn't doing that on her own yet? Or no. No. Yet? no, she had that teacher still with her. Yeah, I know they were doing on the on the ground training and all that stuff, and going over maneuvers and all. She's wearing the flight suit. I'm pretty so sure he had... gets in the plane with her at that point. Oh, he does. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in the back, and she's in yeah. the front. She's, oh, the, she's the pilot, and he's either he's like the the co-pilot type of thing, or the person that is there just in case she screws up. Oh, she's like the ma- he's like the maverick, and she's the goose, or the vice versa. How is that? Yeah. However, however it goes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay, I get it. All right, all right. Well, then belay my last. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, very good. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah, so that's a fair point uh, that that uh, 
you know, she, she is pretty good, but, but Barrett did, you know, verify that, um, she's still, uh, I guess in the introductory phrase. Um, so they didn't well, jump that quick. You know? Yeah. That was going to go to my point of what Phil was saying is that maybe she's on the spectrum of autism where she's like a savant where maybe she is an incredible pilot in a very short period of time. Cause she does have this, uh, unbelievable, uh, you know, bandwidth to become a pilot. So anyway, I still think that could be true. Yeah. 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 And again, I, I, you know, Barrett summed it up perfectly when he, he brought up all those points, which is, which I said after, which is to connect the pieces or puzzle pieces, which is she stunt piloting is just another way for her to cut. It's, it, it, it makes her feel alive similar to cutting. So there's something, wired in her brain that works differently than everybody else. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. yeah and I, and of course I, I wouldn't have thought of that until you just said that Phil, but I think that's excellent. Another, another way she's maybe not cutting anymore, but now she's just doing the stunt flying. Yeah, exactly. If she wasn't stunt flying, I wouldn't be surprised she would, if she would cut again. Now we know Oste is the one that gets her to stop cutting because she says, I'll, I'm going to cut two. So, you know, but after we cut 17 times, because that's the, that's a, uh, that number is important in this film for a number of reasons. One, it's the number for um, the ticket to, you know, to, to win the, the prize to fly and how they met. But it's also their ages, which is 17. So Austin makes a, a deal. She goes, now I want you to stop cutting. And to make you not feel alone, I'll cut 17 times as well. And she actually even cuts herself in the stomach, which, which was pretty, pretty horrendous. Even, uh, Sangali had to turn away. But what, what she was doing was, even though you could argue that she was, she was jumping in and, and joining to, what she was really doing was making a deal, which is if I do it and stop at 17, which is the magical number of their, this summer, then you have to stop too. Will you agree to do that if I do it? And Sangali agrees. So she does stop. But as you notice, the moment she stops cutting, even though she's not still not getting enough of the high from the sex in the relationship, she then has to do all these dangerous things such as climb electric towers, uh, you know, balance herself on the edge of a building. And again, part of it is to fight her vertigo, you know, some, uh, psycho semantic as it is, but it's also something to replace cutting and is also the step that will eventually allow her to, to fly. And as we all, you know, we said, each one of them is something that makes her feel alive because without these weird and, and well, let me rephrase that these interesting things, whether it's a mental health issue, like cutting or doing crazy stunts in the sky, or even possibly dying, doing crazy climbs and, and balancing on the edge of a 10 story building. She needs something to feel alive. And, and again, it's, it's the wiring um, and whatnot. So something always replaces something else. It's almost like an addiction. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah, people have addictive personalities, you know, when they, you know, like, you know, it's like one guy, you know, used to do a lot of chewing tobacco, and then next thing you know, he quit chewing tobacco, but then you couldn't get sunflower seeds out of his mouth. You know? Yeah, right. I mean, right. I'm not saying, obviously, one is more healthy than the other one, but it's the fact that you couldn't, you know. Right, right, yeah. Then there's people that do collecting, you know, they'll collect um, uh, be- beanie babies, and then when that phase is over... They switch over to baseball cards, and when that phase is over, they switch over to comic books, and when that's you know, and on and on, and and it's just like an addictive personality, and and, and whatever it is, it's it's there. And for this girl here, Singali, it's um, some sort of pain or rush that will make her not feel dead. And uh, and I'd be curious to know if what makes her feel dead is it. And, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's just her mental illness because, again, as we discussed, she's still like a zombie even at the end of the film. And, and again, a lot of times we've 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 discussed a lot of films where an actress or an actor will do something or act a certain way, and you could take it either two ways. You could take it that they're acting, and therefore the character is a melancholy, brooding personality, or they're just terrible actors. And I don't think in this film here it's because the second. I think it's more the first. They're they're yes. brooding. They're mentally something's wrong. It's with, scripted that way, yeah. Yeah, I think it was scripted, and it wasn't just you know an independent film that had bad acting. So Sangale, I think, oddly, even though she ha- has got in her dream, I don't think she's grown as a person at all. No, she just overcame a fear. And right. started to do something different other than cutting that was similar. Right. Yeah. And I, and I guess it was probably purposeful for the writing of the movie, but you know, obviously Sengali's character was very like two dimensional and like you, you know, you, you would knee jerk say this wasn't very good character development, but it's probably the character developed exactly as much as the writer wanted you to, you know what I mean? Like that's who she was. That's who Sengali was, you know? Right. And that's the weird thing about this film is you think it's it going to be I mean, obviously, it's the summer of Singali. So they're talking about a summer. And in this case, it's the 17th birthday summer. Uh, so basically, the the last, you know, they're, they're either about to graduate or they have graduated. And it's a love story. But then at the middle of the film, the film literally changes and you find out it's really not a love story. It may be for Auste, but for Sangale, it's it's something completely else. And what that is is maybe simply um, healing herself a little bit from cutting, which is a just kind of a destructive thing, and issues with her mother to at least having some sort of happiness because she did find her dream, which is stunt piloting, which I assume makes it acceptable salary. I don't know if it makes huge money, but it's enough, I'm sure, to live a normal middle-class life, if not better. So I think it's a strange film because of that. Yeah, it's like an unrequited love story, but since it, the main character is not the one with the unrequited love, <laughs> it's it's a little different. 
Yeah. Well, I would rather have the character development like it was than focus on all these, like, sometimes these movies do these, like, ancillary characters where you're just like, what is the point? What is their relation in this movie? And they build up these characters that just kind of fade away. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so I kind of prefer it like that. But it is bizarre. I watch a couple of these movies, and even Summertime is one of them, too. I, I, I was like, okay, should I die in a plane crash? I'm Maybe it's just that I'm negative. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm always waiting for some cataclysmic something like big to happen it's gonna be like oh wow it's gonna like shake you to your core and then it really doesn't happen well you know that's 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 fair john but again you know i I figure these type of films are just going to be character study type films or or romance type films and not the you know they're not going to have like like like, you know we, we used that example when we talked about one of the films earlier in the month about boys don't cry and how that was wasn't a it was a love story that turns into a, an incident that causes like the whole film to be completely different than the first half, and so I didn't assume it was going to be like that where there would be a, a a plane crash or there would be a uh, someone that falls under a tractor like in summertime or, or whatever as we or someone falls uh and breaks their neck and becomes paraplegic in, in the gymnast or something. So I didn't think it was, any, this film was going to be like that either, but. I did not expect the film would switch from a romantic love story in a coming of age to a character study of someone that may have a mental illness that is trying to, I guess, change the mental, use use something else to replace the the cutting with something else. You know what I'm saying? Become more functional. Yeah, yeah. So I purpose because I feel like she was purposeless before this, and then yeah, yeah. Because well, because it's a weird film because the first half of the film is really the development of the girl's friendship and where it will go, and then the second half is different. And I just don't know how to explain it. I mean, I keep I said it four times now, and and it's just it's just interesting because. It, that's what makes me feel that this film, like some of these other LGBTQ films that we've discussed, like A Wall from last year, Barrett, or and and My Summer Love from last year, um, and and uh, um, Circumstance uh, for this year specifically, the the this film kind of isn't really an LGBTQ film. It's, it's, it's just some, about it's, two people who fall in love. It could be anybody, really. But it's not even just two people that fall in love. It's it's something else. Like circumstance yeah. was two girls that fell in love, but it was really more than that. It was about family dysfunction with the yeah. brother and all this other stuff, you know. And and AWOL and my summer love were about class class struggles and you know elitist versus the poor and stuff. But this one here, maybe personal dysfunction. Yeah, this film is more. Uh, I mean, the, the love story is important. And it's LGBTQ, and 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 the the writer director, I, b- I believe, is as well. Uh, I don't the, uh, the actresses, I don't believe her. Um, but so it's important to put it in there. But it's almost like that is secondary to what she's the director's really trying to say, which is something about mental illness and and trying to get your dreams. But again, though the film is, is written so well the, for about getting your dream because the dream is really just a replacement for cutting, 
not yeah, the green, an the actual dream. Wants is a metaphor for her uh, self mutilation, mental illness, whatever. Yeah. Um, what is what that again? The thing about this is, I would submit to you that we don't even really know or could say definitively that Sangele is actually a lesbian. Yeah, you're right, right. Yeah. I, I I could see her being asexual and never dating anybody yeah. ever again, to be honest, yeah. I, because all that mattered was the the high of the danger that makes her feel alive. And by the end of the film, she hasn't seen Aste for two years. Aste is happy and content, though she you could tell she would she still had the hots for Sangali, which I honestly I have no idea why. I mean Sangali is a pretty girl, but it, it's not like her personality is, is all that good. So it's like she comes back to visit Sangali and she says that I'm I've been accepted to uh you know this this really uh uh prestigious uh college that will that teaches fashion merchandising so she's going to get her dream for sure because we already seen that she's talented so she, she's probably way ahead of everybody that is in the, her program and she comes back though because she still has feelings for Sangale when it was only because of lust and love, maybe. While Sangeli seems to be indifferent to Aste, yet she's the one that should be on her knees to Aste. Because if it wasn't for Aste, she'd still be sitting in her mother's bedroom, uh, cu- you know, cutting. Yeah, it's you funny. Know? They talk for like five minutes, and then she's like, "Oh, oh gotta go, gotta go, fly. See ya." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah I was th- right. it was interesting how they kind of ended it too, because that's the end where they show her, you know, taking off. And, and it, because I was just wondering, I would love to see what Austin is going to do if Austin is going to stay or leave. Well, you, yeah, you just see Austin standing there with those wide open eyes, yeah, um, that look on her face, and then you you go to the plane and it taking off, and yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. That's the cool thing about Austin is even though she still has multiple dreams and passions, she still could walk away, and it wouldn't matter because she's she's still all set, and she could most certainly. And she's so hot that she, you know, and, and I'm not saying this to be uh, anything but a fact, which is the woman is unbelievably beautiful. She, you know, she can, she's going to find someone else with no problem. So it may not be Sangelo. You know, for whatever reason, people are stupid and they, they go after people that aren't worth going after. And Sangeli, honestly, in my opinion, isn't worth going after because she her personality is mud. But yeah, yeah, just like her father's. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Beautiful. And um, but, you know, she still has that passion for Sangeli. So there's always going to be something there that's missing until she finds something else, you know, and it, it's just an interesting thing that the more adjust, well-adjusted person is the one that um, still has the normal emotions of of happiness and sadness, while the, the one that did get her dreams... Um, uh, you know, already because she's already flying, she is the one that's actually oddly the most content. 
because again, she doesn't think the same way everybody else thinks. Yeah, she doesn't feel unless she's flying, I think. Yeah, exactly. So oddly, that uh, I don't want to say Oste was a means to an end, because I, I do think she likes Oste, but I don't think she's even turning Oste away or even being indifferent to Oste because she has no interest in Oste. I think it's like you said, she, she has nothing in her brain except focused on one thing, which is the high from a fly. Well, I think it's even worse. Like when she cut, I think she still had other avenues. Once she started to fly, that was it. That's all she felt at that point anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's why she, she almost becomes more robotic as the movie goes along. The closer she gets to her dream, the yeah. less she feels outside of her yeah. dream. Even when she was self-healing by uh, facing her fears, by climbing all the high structures and doing all this stuff to address her vertigo or fear of heights is probably all it really was or whatever it was. Um, it, it just seemed like she was just kind of like methodically doing that even. It wasn't like that wasn't done with a lot of passion. You know what I mean? Even yeah. when she would conquer her fears like, OK, I was just up on this high perch. There was no woohoo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can't believe I just did that. Holy crap. No, she's just like, OK. Whatever. All right. What else can I talk? Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Yeah, it, it's yeah. It, I mean, she's not even happy about herself. She she has she has no passion even about herself for her own goals. Yeah. Either. Yeah. It's it's yeah. I, I yeah. More and more, I'm thinking about this film. I think she's just mentally ill, behavioral health to the point of like just a strange person. And yeah. this is her final way to fit into society. Yeah. Like yeah, being because... a stunt pilot. It's like, yeah. okay. Because <laughs> there's a lot of those around. When's yeah. the last time you were in a bar and you're like, so what do you need for work? I'm an accountant. How about you? I'm a stunt pilot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, good for her and everything. And, and, you know, all the little kids and stuff that will will be all surrounding her after she, you know, so she gets that high too, you know. But, but again, um, I, you know what? I don't even think it, she cares. I, I think. I don't think so either. I think, I think it's just she just needs the high. So if if the kids want to go around it, she gets the high. If she, it's almost like a, a heroin addict, where or or some other drug addicted addict. And again, over no disrespect for people who have uh, such a, a disease, but a lot of those folk, that's all that matters, and nothing else matters. You know. She could and, I think she'd fly twenty four hours a day. Yeah. Right. She couldn't do anything else. Yeah. Right. yeah. And again, I don't think it's because it's her dream. It's just because she needs something. Otherwise, she feels dead. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did anybody uh, think of an obscure reference from the movie Fletch um, about stunt flying at all? Anyone? No, it's been yeah. a long time since yeah. I've seen I haven't seen that right? since I was like 14. Yeah, there's a part of these like, you up there doing some stunt flying or something? That's all I kept thinking. Like, during the movie. Anyway. Uh. That was a good film. I like that film. Um, what, so what what do you guys think of Oste, because, uh, her ending and her life and all that by the, by the, the end? What do we think? She's a truly good person. Yep. What do you there think? was nothing you, negative about her that I could think of. No, nothing. Do you think? Do you think she felt used? Or do, uh, or do you think she think knows Sangali may be? I think she, I think she hoped for more, but she knew that Singali had issues or an issue. 
and that it would never be a true functional relationship. Um, well, think about it this way. She's not just a, a fashion designer. She's essentially a builder. And builders, as you know, if you know already, like architects and whatnot, they love projects, right? Yeah. And I think, I literally think Austin viewed Sangali as a project. A project. Something she could put together and build and make. And, and yeah, I do. But but I don't think it was for selfish reasons. I think she right. She still she really loved and and wanted to ha- be. That's with why her she came her. to see her two years later because she yeah. really truly loved her and she hoped to see change in her, but there was none. But, but <laughs> she just was lying now. But but I think you're you're right, Johnny. She was she was looking she not intentionally. I don't even think she knew that she was do using Sangale as a a, a project. But that's her personality type, which is she, she, it, it, you know, you see what I'm saying? I think you're absolutely right, Johnny, but I don't think it was like, I'm going to do this for me. I'm doing, you know, I think she just unconsciously did it. There are some people that are fixers and they don't even realize they're fixers. Yeah, exactly, exactly right, Barry. That's what I was going to say. I think a lot of us have personality traits that sometimes we don't even realize is our personality traits. It's just who we are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think Aste would have even noticed. Sangali in the first place, or even cared to help Sangali in the first place, if she didn't have the the the, the sexual cupid arrow that hit her. Oh yeah, because she it was like immediate. She saw yeah. her in the crowd, and she's like, "Bam!" Yeah, she was putting her hair up, and she saw the the nape of her neck or whatever, and she was like, "Oh wow!" Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's how you knew that um, Aussie's character was uh, a bona fide true lesbian. Yeah, um, right. You know, that, that's I think that's what you know the way they set the movie up. Thoughts? Exactly. Yeah, hundred percent. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and again, this was a part of the great cinematography of this film because you know they have the light on her. You know, half of her is like lit up, and and it's the side that she when she turns her head a little bit, and you see the nape of her neck, and the hair is like like really long hair and stuff, and 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 you know, boom, the the. Cupid's arrow hits Austin like like a, ro- a rocket, you know. Um, well, and one of the other really cool things in this film, cinematography-wise, are all the different outfits that she wears. And then when they do all that photographing with the different outfits, I love that whole scene. That's just fun. Yeah, the costume designing was fantastic in this film. Also, uh, the actress that played Austin was her. She was great because every time, like when she's talking to. Sangali, you know, like at the restaurant or on the beach or wherever, the way she looks at Sangali and Sangali is like the type of person that doesn't look at people when she talks. And so she's always looking down and. Aste's always looking straight in the eye. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and the way her expression is, you can tell it's like love and lust to you know it's not just yeah so so the actress really played it so there was a lot of things that were done in this film whether it's acting or cinematography that that got a lot of points across to us the audience without any exposition needed yeah because like the outfits she wore were her personality that's exactly right yeah she made her clothes right she actually when she went into the apartment she goes did you make these clothes and she said yes and I yeah. was actually shocked to hear that. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty cool. And and, and the clothes that she does wear, they're 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 um, they're all like 
um, unique, but they're all sexy too. So it's and and they're all something that shows confident confidence as well, right? In the but yet not so, too revealing either. No, 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 no. Yeah. It, it was it was a uh, you know uh, womanly stuff, yeah. um, but not not revealing. It, it wasn't like club gear or or anything like that. Oh, it was cute. more like. Cute. Yeah, almost, yeah. yeah. Well, well, it was almost like period piece too. She liked, yeah, yeah. She liked the 1940s and 50s look. Yeah, that uh, but, look. but when she was on the beach, she she wore bikinis still. You know, what was that, John? Yeah, the the pinup stuff, the pinup model. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the it was boop, the Betty Boop look. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, it it's revealing enough for the 1940s and 50s, but would be considered tame nowadays unless you're in a Muslim country probably exactly <laughs> yeah so so yeah yeah that, that's a good point Barrett yeah yeah um, I'm, I can't believe that you guys brought up the because you know the fact I think Barrett you just said that she didn't even really make eye contact with her either that's like another indication of being on the autism spe spectrum and you know but yeah. so whether it was just a mental illness or the self-mutilation or maybe she was we could infer a guess or 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 make make a leap that she was on the autism spectrum. It's it's those are interesting ways to look at this film. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point, John. Yeah, and I it's... think 2015 is about right when a lot of autism stuff is coming out in film. Maybe, yeah. Starting, you know, it started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Now you've got like yeah. whole shows based on someone who's autistic. Yeah. But but you know what's interesting about this film is we're talking about it. And coming to that conclusion, but it's never mentioned it's in the not. film. So nope. I'm question, wondering if the director intentionally or not, and based off of what you said earlier, again, Barrett, I'm thinking it's all intentional and no one would have guessed it unless they decided, sat down like we are talking about the film, because it's not obvious unless you talk about the film. But, you know, the the cutting to the climbing and balancing on dangerous heights to suddenly becoming a pilot and how she kind of acts and does things and her indifference to everybody, even herself, you, you know, it's, it's there, but I didn't even think of it until we started talking right now yeah. in this conversation. Amen. And it's like, Oh my God, this, this, I think this director intentionally did it this way to make I'd her love to know i'd love yeah. to know because she would be very light on the autistic side but it, mm. you know and you don't often see females that are autistic either in in any type of entertainment yeah so yeah so, you're right you're right yeah 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 because it's not as usually interesting i guess because like you know it, when you see the exaggerated version of an autistic person in cinema, they usually become like violent or something. And it's perfect to have a man do, be violent, you know, in a film and say, Oh, let's have an autistic person be violent in film. And it's always a man, but here it's, you're right. It's, you don't see women usually in films as autistic and, and, and here it's, it's still functioning artistic without any, um, you know, violence or anything like that. So, except it, to it, herself. Yes, except to herself. Exactly. Yeah, and and again, she stops doing it to herself once she gets other highs. Yeah. You know? Well, and that is uniquely well, not uniquely, but it is something you'd see with females more, um, like the self harm rather. Than yeah. The, yeah. The the cutting. That's a yeah. very common. Well, not very common, but more apt to be 
uh, female than male, that would, would be the cutter. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that's that's true. At least that's that's what I've read. You know, when when I had to take health class in the back in the day or whatever. Um, let's see. Anything else we want to discuss about this this film? Because uh, we we did we definitely. I mean, it could be a lot more. Uh, but I, just just to go what we've gone through so far, we talked a little bit about the relationship. We talked about the autism angle and, and whatnot. Um, but I still don't feel like we've talked enough about Oste for some reason. But maybe I'm wrong. Have you guys felt like we've talked enough about her? I think we have, but it's only because she's so committed to who she is and what she is. There's not a lot of variance with her. I mean, you know that she knows what she knows and knows what she wants. And Mm -hmm. there's not much more to say. She's just a great character. Well, let me ask you what uh, her fetish is of 1940s and 50s looks what what do you think she's like that what is it is it some sort of ideal she sees ah i'm, what, glad, what? I'm glad you brought that up phil because my take is that it goes back to the class thing and okay. think of like uh like and please just i'm just throwing this out there because it popped in my brain i know it's probably gonna sound silly but think about cuba right they're still driving around in cars from like 1950 and 60 there you know, so maybe there's a class thing though. She's like a leftover. Her parents are from the old Soviet Union, and then of course, like the the record, you know, the the they're basically getting their country back after being screwed over by the Soviet Union, um, and they're broke. And so she's like a throwback because it's part of her culture, like the 40s and 50s, even though yeah. this movie's set in you know 50 years after that. Yeah, no, that's a really good point because. I would think that that is a big part of, you know, how they live over there is that they were controlled by another country for so long that they probably still are in a little bit of that throwback. They remember good times before it, you know what I mean? So that's magical to them. Also, also, it it could be like uh, another thing, which is, and and again, Austin doesn't show her feelings about her class um, that much, except that, you know, she wants to be a fashion designer and she knows if she becomes one and is good at it, which she most certainly will be, she'll make money and, and leave poverty. But until then, she, you know, she, she um, obviously her life as is, is not, maybe not as be fulfilling as we think, she portrays herself and so by having a uh a hobby of 1940s and 50s look with the glamour and all that it's a it's it's a way for her to feel different than the life she is living now in other words she's not going to be able to get fancy clothes from Gucci or whatever because she can't afford it. And so the stuff she is going to buy is just going to be Walmart stuff and, and no, 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 no disrespect for Walmart because Walmart actually has some damn good clothes and you would never know that, that, um, you know, I could still go to a club with a nice button down shirt from Walmart. Um, but by her making her own clothes from another generation of fashion, where it's glamorous and whatnot, she makes herself feel maybe 
upper class, even if she's not. What do you think? I don't know. She seems so happy. It's hard for me to think that she's trying to do anything like that. She just seems very content. Yeah, what I like about her character, too, is that as miserable as Sengale is, she doesn't let her bring her down. I love it. Never. Yeah, she's always happy. That's a good point. Yeah. Nothing seems to bring her down. She's just always happy, always smiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, yeah, go on. Yeah, but, I'm sorry, but remember when, his, uh, when they went to the um, the lake in the beginning of the movie with the friend who drove him there? Yeah. He even drove like a 20-year-old or maybe even 25-year-old Mercedes. So I think I might be onto something about this uh, throwback leftovers and whatnot. Well, it also could be, you know, you, you know, if you're 17, you can't afford a real car, so you buy some junker from 20 years ago. You I know. mean, true, but so if 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 you get your license in like like you did, Phil, in the in the you know late eighties, we'll call it. I'll just call it that without dating you exactly. Um, and you had a twenty-five or thirty-year-old car, that would mean you're driving a car from like the sixties, and that wasn't happening. No, right? yeah, that's, that's they were already classics. <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Right, right. I mean, if you did get a car from the sixties. When I was driving, it, you know, it was most likely you were trying to get a, a, a Ford Mustang, right? Because those were classics already. Right, or a Chevelle or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, right, 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 exactly. That's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah, all right, that's a fair right. point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but again, well, well, right, right. But again, this town, even though, what's her face, uh, Sangali lives in a, in a fairly nice second home, Um the town itself is not a wealthy town and, and, and no, no disrespect for, for folks that live in these type of towns that, that Austin lives in, but the, the, you can see and see this a lot up at least in new England. I'm, I'm sure it's everywhere, but you know, you have these people from New York city that come up to Vermont or New Hampshire or Maine, and they'll buy some property in the middle of nowhere, which is, you know, some working class town where, where everybody's work, you know, working class blue collar, and then they build a nice, really fancy house in those towns because those towns, so the wealthy person from New York or Boston or, or, or wherever can come in, buy this property, build for cheap, build a nice house there and use it as their summer home, even if the town itself is not a zip code that is well known to be wealthy. So it still makes sense that Sangali's family could own a fancy house in this town even if all the locals aren't what her parents would generally hang out with. So you're going to see these poor folks and, and whatever. But again, though, it could also be, as you said, Johnny, um, the poverty is related to um, the, the, you know, the Soviet Union and what they left behind. And these people are the first generation away from uh communist rule you know so yeah who knows and if we spoke yeah. uh, lithuanian maybe we could get the director on this this uh, uh she actually speaks english uh the, i have the disc and uh there's a uh, some extras on the disc and uh she just speaks in uh uh, English in in the the little little interview they have with her, and I also know both actresses speak English as well. Uh, they um, 
uh, or on Facebook. I found him on Facebook because back last year in 2020, I tried to friend all three of them on Facebook um, so I could instant message them to have them come on and be interviewed because I was I was going to suggest this film last year. Uh, instead, instead of uh, My Summer Love, I was going to suggest this one, Barrett. And, uh, it, but when I couldn't get a hold of any of them, I, I, we, I just went with My Summer of Love last year. Um, and I couldn't find them on Twitter because if I found them on Twitter, it's very e- easy to contact people because yeah. you don't have to be friends with them to contact them while on right. Facebook you have to really and most people who don't know you they just especially if you're semi-famous as these people they're going to just, just ignore, it. yeah they're yeah. just going to ignore you so if I can find them on Facebook I mean on Twitter now meaning 2021 there's a chance that we could we could try to get them on to just talk about the film specifically the director the director director I believe it or not it's easier to get uh, writers and directors on than the actors um because actors are you know who they are well writers and directors you know no one follows them except real film uh people that are really into film um the people that help them get their movie in front of eyes yeah yeah and also the the two actresses most likely are probably uh let's just say on social media attractive famous women are probably have a lot of freaks that bother them a lot yeah, I mean, I'm not famous, and I get people trying to friend me that I don't know, and I delete it immediately. So yeah. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. they have that a lot yeah. more. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think I may have mentioned this to you. It was I thought it was you, Barrett, but I may have mentioned to someone else I was talking to that, like like the, the co-host of the Dark Discussion Podcast, where I said, yeah, I tried to friend these people. Yeah, I think it was you, Barrett, and, but you may have forgot the conversation. And I, I said, I, I, they'll probably just delete me because they're probably gonna think i'm some freak that's trying to send a you know friend request on um so yeah john if 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 we could get a contact with them we could possibly get them on and could ask them questions specifically the director because they do speak english and they can't answer our questions um if they are on twitter i'll, I'll link them to the, the episode too um because yeah, they'll, i'll be curious to see if these uh uh actresses in this movie because i thought they did an excellent job with doing the english speaking roles yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, I, I think they, they, they have. Uh, yeah, actually, I know they have. Uh, the girl that played Osti has, for sure. She's she was in Men in Black International. Yeah, yeah. She's Small done some, role, but... Yeah, she's done some, some roles in English. And I think the other girl, one of them lives in Germany, I think, or France, and the other one lives in England now. So... They're the type of people that have, probably speak like four or five different languages, you know, typical uh, continental Europeans, basically. Right, right. Um, so, yeah. Um, all right. So anything else we want to discuss on this one? No, I think we've discussed everything. What about you, John? Yeah, I don't really No. All right. All right. We even discussed things I didn't expect to discuss. So it was quite an interesting conversation. Yeah, yeah. A lot. All these films, oddly, they're quote unquote LGBTQ films, specifically because there's a LGBT or specifically a lesbian relationship in all four of these films and the two from last year that we did, Barrett. But none of them are, are oddly, really are. Even even though that's going to be the focus for everybody who who talks about the film, they'll, they'll say, "Oh, it's an LGBTQ film." All six of the films. 
the LGBTQ part is is oddly secondary, in my opinion, if you really boil away everything. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, which I like. I mean, I just want to see a story, and it's part of the story, and it does help. It changes the story because that's part of it, but it doesn't, you know, make it different from any other movie. Yeah, yeah, right, because when we originally started doing these films last year, we were assuming that that would be the focus, that these were going to be, you know, uh, important political films about, you know, lesbian women and whatever. But oddly, all six of these films have nothing to do with that. They're not political at all and have nothing to do with it. Um, I mean, Summertime was political, but it wasn't political because of the the lesbian aspect. It was political because it was, you know, feminism stuff. Yeah, yeah, because it was 1971. (laughs) But but. Again, for the lesbian part, I thought it was going to be a political statement, and none of them have been. It's going to be interesting, yeah. which is good, it may, because it makes them more, uh, more than than what we, I at least thought they were going to be. And they're very relatable. I mean, it's it's you know just like any other relationship. Indeed. All right, so uh, let's see a couple of things uh, before we uh, uh, give our final thoughts. Uh, first thing is. Um, this was pretty much going to be the wrap up of the uh, Pride Month films for 2021. We'll probably, assuming we're all still here, uh, I'm, I'm assuming we'll still be doing the podcast then. Uh, in 2022, we'll, we'll jump on it again uh, with more uh, art house uh, lesbian films, for, so, you know, because of the theme, Pride Month. Um, what else? Um, I'm planning on being here, but you know. Yeah. Who knows what'll yeah. happen between now and then? <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, so that's that. Um, um, let's see. A uh, couple other things is uh, yeah. So we 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 got a couple other things that are coming up. Uh, we have a few more films of interest. Uh, some of them are thrillers um, that we're gonna be doing shortly. Maybe a, a horror film uh, on this podcast shortly. Uh, so keep on listening, because um, again, drive-in we, theater we, movies in the fall, right? Yeah, yeah, we're thinking of doing a uh, drive-in theater theme month. So for you know, nineteen seventy or eighty horror films that are obscure, not necessarily really obscure, but but not you know, we're not talking about Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth. We're talking about right. smaller films that are of note, um, Grindhouse, whatever. Uh, 60, 70, 80, something like that. So we got that coming up. Um, we have some new releases that are coming up that we're going to do to possible some interviews episodes as well. Um, so that'll be cool. Um, and whatnot. Um, all right. So let's uh, give our final thoughts here. Oh, and yeah, we, me and Barrett may be doing a, a TV show episode. Uh, not an episode, but a TV show podcast separate from this podcast but we're also going to be me and barrett are also going to be doing a quick two-hour episode or so on uh for this podcast the on the hbo television series the mayor of east town as well we're looking yep. at doing that episode too yeah so uh look out for that as well um so uh, all right let's give our final thoughts on this one uh let's start with you johnny uh, well uh for lgbtq month uh this is the final film uh this was my favorite of the four i thought it was uh excellently acted well written beautifully shot 
and uh, you won't be disappointed. And it and it has a a nice ending, I thought, and, and ended in a in a positive uh, positive note. I recommend. Oh, all right, for me, um, yeah, this this is probably my favorite out of the four as well. Um, I enjoyed it a whole lot. Um, it didn't have a, a political message that kind of um, like like circumstance or summertime did. Uh, and when I say political message, I mean certain things related to uh, politics, not a true political message. So this one was really more of a character study of coming of age of two two young women during the summer. So it was a little lighter fear, uh, even with the dark subject of cutting um, and maybe even mental illness. It was the most professionally made film, I think. It was really well done. Uh, cinematography, all the people behind the, the, the scenes, from the director to the, the costume designer to the cinematographer, uh, all of them uh, really, really uh, hit it out of the ballpark. Uh, the acting is, is pretty solid, uh, both actresses especially, because uh, it really was their film. I mean, two women were in the film, 90% of the film um, were, were fantastic. Um, the, the movie, uh, as Johnny mentioned, has a open-ended ending, but a happy ending because both girls at least are somewhere are, are headed in a positive route. One is uh, going to be a, 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 a stunt pilot, and the other one is most certainly going to be a successful in fashion design. So it's generally a, a happy ending, even if their relationship may have just been a summer fling. Uh, so yeah, uh, big thumbs up for me. Uh, Barrett? Yeah, this is my favorite of the four. Um, I'm glad we ended with this one. It does... I think it ends on a happy note as well. It just, it, the whole movie just make, made me feel fairly good. I mean, yeah, there are some dark things that are in it, but it was, it was good to see one person in it that was so positive that she helped this other person find what they wanted. And it's definitely a great film, great cinematography, great acting. Two thumbs up for me. Yeah. And it was intentionally, I chose this one as the very last as well, because, uh, uh, I felt it was the best film, and I, I figured let's, we should end it with that one. Uh, and out of the the four, uh, I had only seen Summertime and this one prior, so the other two, I, I just I was had no idea if they were going to be as good. Uh, but I knew this one was good because I, I remember, as I said, seeing it three years ago. Uh, even with that odd switch where the film changes the diff focus in the middle, uh, it still works, even if it was um, interesting in a sense for a, a screenplay. Um, so uh, that pretty much wraps up uh, LGBTQ theme month, uh, art house lesbian films for the Halloween boutique psychotronic reviews. Uh, for folks who are curious for this film, again, it's uh, from 2015 directed by Alante, Alanta Cavata, uh, Cavate, Avante, Alante Cavate. I say it. Uh, she wrote and directed it. A cinematographer, since we've mentioned him numerous times, was Dominique Cullen. Uh, Julia Stepanati uh, played Sangali. Uh, Iste Derzute plays Aste. Um, the film can be found anywhere movies are available to rent. Uh, it is not it's on free. Tubi for free. That's oh. what I thought. Oh, you got to see it for free. Oh, yeah, it was on Tubi. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. I didn't know that. If I had known that, I would have told you, John, to check it out on Tubi. You could have saved yourself three bucks. Um, I actually have the disc. Uh, has, like I said, an interview with the director, uh, which was uh, very informative. Uh, and it has one of her short films on it as well, as well as uh, a couple of other things, such as trailers and, and things of that nature. Um, and the disc can be found anywhere movies are as well. Um so yeah, that's pretty much uh, where you can find that. So uh, Barrett, why don't you lead us out? Thanks again for joining us for Pride Month. Uh, join us again next time when we have something completely different and great, equally great. <laughs>